0: Thank you, Adam, I appreciate you. Clap. It's good to clap. And uh, Pastor Adam will be teaching next Sunday's message. I'll be sending over a short video from Israel to kind of connect with you guys in that way, a fresh live take of what's going on. And Adam will be also leading the scriptures. And then the week after is Palm Sunday, and Rory will be leading the stage with communion and announcements. And then there'll be a teaching from Israel, Palm Sunday message, uh, complete in in its length. And so make sure and don't skip church for the next couple weeks, but be praying for us. Isn't it awesome to go to a church with so many things going on? I just want you guys to know something that I do not take it for granted. I don't take any one of you guys for granted. I don't take this time and the season that we're living in for granted. It is a special privilege to be saved. It is a special privilege to be alive. It is a special privilege to be filled, anointed, and gifted, and to be sent out for such a time as this, Amen? amen? It's a special privilege. The Bible says that one day soon, the restrainer will be removed, taken away, and then lawlessness will abound. The restrainer is two things. It's the Holy Spirit and it's the church. It's the presence of God's bride. And we're here right now on purpose, with purpose, with power, with missions to go forward. And there's so many ways to do that with the youth and with the men and the women and international and national and building orphanages in Mexico and developing the promised land over here and preaching and teaching here and reaching into the high schools and to the middle schools and starting our own high schools and middle schools. So I want you guys to be encouraged. Don't take any of it for granted. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And every single day, volunteer and say, Lord, here am I. Send me. And maybe you'll be like Isaiah in chapter 6. You guys know in Isaiah chapters 1 through 5, he was kind of all fired up. And he was that, woe is you prophet. Woe is you. And woe is you. And woe is you. And he was kind of just calling people out. And in chapter 6, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the train of the Lord's robe filled the temple. And, and Isaiah was undone. And he said, oh, Lord, depart from you, I'm a man of unclean lips. He saw himself in contrast to the Lord, and the Lord touched his lips with coal, and the Lord rejuvenated him. And then the Lord kind of asked a proverbial kind of question out of the side of his mouth He said, Who shall I send? And Isaiah was looking around, he's like, I'll go, I'll go. And the Lord says, you're going to go. You're going to proclaim. And he spent the rest of then Isaiah proclaiming God's gospel of good news. Can I just encourage you? What God wants to do today is he wants to stir us up. He wants to encourage us. And he's going to do that specifically and primarily through his word. So take your Bible now and open up to Joshua 23. And in Joshua 23 and 24, these are the closing chapters of the book of Joshua. Isn't that crazy? We got through this crazy book. This book's nothing compared to the next book, the book of Judges you're going to need to sign a waiver every single Sunday you come to church Joshua's rated R, you're going to need a helmet, counseling afterwards, it's crazy (laughs) I say that because right after Joshua dies, everything goes cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and yet it's not without effort and attempt on Joshua's part to look at the tribes of Israel and say, hey, don't get weird, don't drift, don't blow it Don't go to the left, don't go to the right, stay on the road. Those are his exact words. And he gives us fourfold ways to do that. Number one, he says, obey God's word. We're going to see it in just a few minutes. Obey God's word and make sure and separate from the world. Don't try and fit into this world. Isn't it crazy how often we try and fit in with the world, just kind of like mingle and rub shoulders with the world? The world is anti-Christ. It's anti-God. It's not for the kingdom. And he says, be careful, obey God's word and separate from the world. And then cleave to the Lord. We'll see that today. And finally, he says in verse 11, and love the Lord. What a privilege to love the Lord. It's easy to judge the world. It's easy to look at all the chaos and the confusion and crazy. Isn't it crazy? So backwards. It's because they don't know the love of the Father. If you're able to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you're able to say, I love you to the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. If you're able to say that in the midst of all your stuff, okay, that's a miracle. God has softened your heart. He's opened your eyes. He's activated your spirit in that way. And I'm so humbled and so grateful to be one of those people that's had my life changed. But you've come to realize now, even if you're born again and spirit-filled and walking in the promised land, life's tough sometimes. Mistakes are made. Issues arise. Even in the greatest of friendships and the greatest of relationships, things get weird. This is why I want to remind you of what we learned last Sunday. Remember last Sunday, there was a real-time event with Manasseh and, and Reuben and Gad, and they did something on the eastern side of Israel, and they confused the tribes on the western side, and some tail bear, we don't even know who, somebody ran over, and, said, and, and shared this rumor, and then they responded and said, and they went all crazy. Guess guys remember? This happened. And they got mad at each other. Oh. You ever gotten mad before? What? We get mad all the time. It's like our right, you know. I'm American. I can be mad all I want, you know. And I gave you an acronym. Maybe you picked it up last week. The acronym of being mad. It starts with a misunderstanding, always does. A misunderstanding. 99% of the time, it's just a misunderstanding. 99% of the time in our relationships or our ministries or the things that God's called us to our churches, it's not visceral people and evil people and backbiters and rebels and, and people that are out to get you. It's just simply a misunderstanding. And that misunderstanding then, if not dealt with properly leads to the a which is an assumption oh yeah i thought i think i i i and we make these mistakes these act, these assumptions and when we make an assumption there's a saying i won't say but you guys know it <laughs> and there's a misunderstanding that leads to an assumption And then that assumption then leads to an accusation. That's because, that's because, that's because these accusations are made. And then if not dealt with in that regard, it goes to the D, which is dumb decisions. You start doing dumb stuff. You start dividing. You start attacking. We saw that in the text. And all the other nine and a half tribes grabbed their swords and literally went to war against their brethren, the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And they got there and said, hey, what's the big idea? And you guys remember the story. Now, there are seven points that I ripped out quickly at the end. I just need to do it one more time for you who are note-takers and didn't get this. If you're mad right now, if someone's mad at you, if you find yourself being angered in the future if you find yourself being attacked or God forbid if you find yourself on the attacking end of attack or you're doing it be careful, it's going to happen it's bound to happen, that's why there's cities of refuge Jesus said in Luke 17 it's impossible that you should get through this life without offense being offended or offending others, you can't do it so, and he gave us the fourfold way rebuke, repent, forgive and starts with R, rhymes with EPEAT, repeat Repeat over and over and over. Otherwise, you're not going to make it in this life. Here's the things we learned last week. Make sure that your concern is for God's holiness and not just your own agenda. If you're really just worried about them knowing what you think and yours think, eh, stop. Stop. It's got to be God's holiness. Number two, have enough love to confront directly go right to the person. If you don't have enough love or conviction to go right to the person, then you're out of balance. Don't talk to other people. Don't post it on Facebook. Don't form a group around them. Go right to that person. As a matter of fact, if you're mad at somebody right now... Take a deep breath and go to them today. Send them a message. Do something. Make it right. Humble yourself. Go to that person. Number three, aim for reconciliation, not simply justification. Sometimes the attempt is to say, hey, I'm I'm sorry that this happened. Let me just please justify my actions or my status. No, no. No, no. That's not important. Let the Lord do that. Your main objective should be reconciliation at all costs. Number four, only confront if you're willing to help conform remember the tribes there in judah and they came over and phineas said look if it's hard for you to live here then and you're going to make mistakes come to my house then. don't just convict somebody without helping them number five seek to see it from their point of view this will help you maybe I what's it like to be you whoa that's what happened oh that makes sense sheesh and when this happens, and number six, choose to believe the best in the person, not the worst, because God will indeed make sure that everything is brought to the light. You don't need to be grading people or sniffing their sin. Number seven, and finally, trust the process. God's gonna have his way. Do you, have you figured this out yet? Man, anybody confused in the relationships that you're involved in right now, the people around you? Do they confuse you? The person you're married confuses you. The kids you had, they confuse you. The neighbors around you, they confuse you. The ministry, man, I'm just confused. Okay, guess what? It's because you're dumb. (laughs) Is that offensive? You don't know everything. You don't know everything. You know who does? God. Oh, there's such comfort in that. I, I was born naked, I don't know about you guys, I came into this world naked, I've got nothing, I learned a few things, I was homeschooled, so I didn't learn as much as other people, you know, I, didn't, you know I, didn't, I don't know everything, God does. And if you believe that, you can rest in that. So anyways, that being said, now open up your Bibles to Joshua 23. And let's read a few verses. It says, now it came to pass... A long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel, from all of their enemies round about, that Joshua was old and advanced in age. He's 110 years old at this time. that's, old. that's pretty old, isn't it? Raise your hand if you're 110 or older here this morning. Anybody here older than 110? Just just John Smith? OK. That's old) From chapter 22, which I just referenced in this kind of debacle, there's been a decade or more of just kind of, listen, chilling in the promised land, resting on their laurels and doing what God has asked them to do and taking over the land. And so Joshua now, he's about to die. And he perceives, he's a prophet, he's a leader. He looks around, he says, hey, God's done some great things in our life. But I want to spend these next two chapters before I die warning you. I want to challenge you. Now, Joshua could be <clears throat> excuse me, labeled as cynical or critical at this time or, or prophetical or all three. That being said, because this is a historical book, he's about to warn them and encourage them and challenge them. Pick this side, not that side. As for me and my house, chapter 24, we're going to serve the Lord. If you think it's evil to serve the Lord, go do something else then. That's on you. And he gives them the choice. Off ramp's coming up. Go ahead and see how that works for you. And yet he challenges them, invites them, and encourages them. Don't do that. Don't do that. And maybe it's 10 years after settling into the promised land that he says, you know what? I can just see that we're getting a little apathetic. Apathetic that the rest is kind of taking over, that it's too much. While God wants us to enter in to his rest, there is a tendency that when we just kind of sit back and throttle down, we don't push into the mission that God has called us to find and to follow and to keep going after. So he says this in chapter 23 verse 2. And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders and for their heads, for the judges and for their officers and said to them, I am old and advanced in age. And then he goes on into his sermon of exhortation and correction for them. And let me just say this. If you're on mission for him and giving your life daily to him and walking the path with him, and everything you're doing, then you really don't need a pep talk today. But for the average Christian, we've been saved, delivered from our sin, and now we're just kind of doing what we do, and there's a tendency for each and every one of us to kind of slowly get distracted. It's kind of like riding a bike. Ride your, can you ride your bike? Is everybody, is everybody riding a bike? Riding a bike's pretty easy. It's not that hard, but there are a few components that you must keep doing to stay on the bike. You got to keep pedaling, and you got to keep steering. You can stop pedaling, Riding a bike's still easy. You can stop steering. Riding a bike's still easy. But if you don't give that effort and momentum, pedaling and steering, if you don't do it, you're going to crash. Most of you can ride a bike. And in our Christianity, God's called us to walk with him. He says, hey, don't stop putting some energy to the pedals. Don't stop putting energy to your life. Listen to me everywhere you go because the temptation is after 10 years or 20 years in your marriage or in your ministries is to forget the things that are the most important. You guys ever forget important things? Man, I forget important things all the time. I forget things that aren't important that were important. I forgot that they were important. I forgot that important things too. And we forget and we need to be reminded of the things that will keep us on track because it's a war right now. There's so many distractions and so many diversions and so many detours. And maybe, this is the 9 a.m. service. I'm so glad to be here with you guys. It's so awesome. And, and maybe Satan can't get you off track and into the ditch of immorality and sinfulness. But listen, because life kind of just takes over, Satan is a professional. If he can't make you bad, he will make you busy. Yeah. He'll just get you engaged in things that don't matter as much. And you'll spend one year and, and, and 10 years and, and 20 years and 30 years and 40 years and, and 70 years and, and 80 years. And pretty soon you'll look back and say, oh, no. What did I do? And it's not even the right question. The question is, what didn't I do with my life, with my talent, with my days, dollars, and deeds? And Joshua here, he's a sage, he's 110 years old and he looks out and he says, guys, I'm old. And he assembles all the leaders, the elders, the heads, and the judges, these fourfold different heads of leadership there in Israel, along with all of Israel. Because he can't meet with everybody, so he does the next best thing, he meets with the leaders of everybody. In order that, listen, the leaders would be equipped to lead well. Isn't this awesome? We call this the air war here at South Beach Church, where we accomplish a lot. We cover a lot of grounds. We reach a lot of people. And then right after the air war is the ground war, where all of the leaders sitting next to you, and you men and you women and you young and you old, all of you then take the things that you've learned and received, and you go out and you find other people, listen, and you lead them well as as well. And you impact them and you influence them. (laughs) Joshua couldn't speak to everyone. He actually will in the next chapter, but instead he reaches the leaders. And can I just remind you, all of you are leading somebody somewhere. I'll say it differently. All of you are leaders, even if you're not a very good leader. This is a hard thing to kind of swallow. It's a hard thing to accept. I know for me it was, I didn't want to be a leader. There's too much pressure. There's too much stress. It's way easier to be selfish and just thinking about myself all the time. And Even if you don't want to be a leader, you're still a leader you're just not a very good one. Your neighbors are watching you. If you set a good example to your neighbors over a course of a lifetime, lived with them. You're going to have an influence and opportunity and an inroad to speak to them about the gospel or vice versa. Your kids are watching you. Your parents are watching you. The people at work are watching you. Your team are watching you. And it's so much easier. to oh, I'm so glad I'm not in charge. I'm so glad I don't have to do anything here. And the Lord says, no, you... All are priests and leaders in my kingdom. And I would just encourage you, who who are you leading? Maybe even ask that question right now. Who's watching you? They've done studies years and years ago that on an average day, anywhere from seven to 15 people will study you and watch you intently, everything you do, without you being aware of what's going on in your life. You could probably call the FBI and have them arrested for this nowadays. That's illegal. You know, they can't be studying me, you know? People watching you. That could either scare you or it could encourage you. Yeah, watch this. I'm going to pick up a towel. I'm going to wash feet. One of my life verses, if not my life verse, is Matthew five sixteen. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus saying, do random acts of kindness. Do that for the glory of God and for the good of others. Well, Joshua here calls the men of Israel, the leaders, and he instructs them in order that they would find themselves bearing this burden. Notice what he also says about his age. I'm old, guys. And yet he's taken his platform, he's taken his influence, and instead of retiring, instead of saying, I don't want to deliver this message, I don't have anything to offer, I don't have any influence, in his old age he's saying, I have more influence and more to offer than ever before. Can I just encourage you? Our culture is all backwards right now. Some cultures, I don't know much about them, but some cultures esteem the elderly and those who are older in their society and their cultures, and they revere them and they care for them and they give them platforms. Our culture is all messed up. We celebrate youth and kind of disregard the elderly in the older population. I think that's what's normally happening right here. And I would just say, don't do that. If you're older, okay, if you're older than me, you're older, okay, whatever that means. If you're older, may the Lord anoint you Just keep going until you hear the trumpet sound. You have wisdom. You have experience. You have gifts. You have time and opportunity to add to God's kingdom. I need to hear this as the young people, the older people, the middle-aged people. We just need to be stirred up. I was reading some commentaries and listening to some sermons and most of the guys I listened to all referenced John Wesley. John Wesley in the 1700s, he was a circuit horseback rider. He would go on a circuit and preach the gospel in churches that he would raise up. And in the year 1700, he would go for about 50 years of his life and he was a circuit rider. And while he was going in circuits and preaching, the guy was out of control. He could not be stopped. He preached over 40,000 sermons in his life. (coughs) He didn't slow down all on horseback. They estimate that on horseback, he traveled 250,000 miles by horseback, making sure that he reached people in Jesus' name. That's 10 times around the planet, on a horse. 400 books penned by John Wesley. And when he reached his 80s in his journal, he began to complain. He started complaining. He said, man, I'm getting old. I can now only read for five hours at one time before my eyeballs begin to give out. At age 82, he mourned and said, I now have to only preach two sermons per day. It's all I can handle. At 86, he complained and said, I begin, I've begun to at times, from time to time, sleep in till past 5.30. And the guy was crazy. <laughs> He had a mission, he knew what he was doing. Here's one of his quotes that is attributed to him. Here's a John Wesley quote. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. John Wesley, 1700. They didn't even have Starbucks back then. I mean, what's going on? And he wasn't gonna be stopped. He's my hero. It's like, don't slow down. Don't stop. And Joshua stands up and says, let's keep going because you have two options the way you're going to go out. Only two options. You're either going to rust out from lack of energy and lack of output, or you're going to burn out from going too hard. Your choice. Which one do you want to do as you get older? Just rust out? Or... Coming into heaven on empty Blazing ball of fire Saving souls That's how I want to enter into heaven With the gas tank on E Just pegging down below E Woo! (laughs) Pray for me There's literally a Red Bull on the stairs here Waiting for me right now for the next service Okay, let's stay focused Joshua now 110 years old stirring the people up, warning them. And he says this in verse three. This is now his sermon. And he begins, very importantly, he says, you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. Stop right there, rise up here. His now exhortation, his encouragement, his challenge begins with saying, do you guys remember what God has done? Do you know all that the Lord has done for you and all that he's fought for these people around you? And it's so important that we muse from time to time, if not every single day, at the faithfulness of the Lord in our lives, specifically, individually, and collectively. Because when you remember what God has done for you, you're going to then look up to the Lord above you and worship him rightly. If you're having trouble worshiping the Lord, you're just kind of like, off. Oh, you're depressed, you haven't really connected with him, just look back and see what God has been faithful to you in the past. He has not let you down. He has fought your battles. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. And it's going to cause you, once you look back, it's going to cause you to look up better. But it's also going to allow you to look out in front of you and say, oh, yeah, giants, hills, mountains, issues. And you look back and say, that's all my whole, whole life has been that. You think God brought you this far just to bring you this far? He's going to move you from glory to glory Every single challenge of your life Not just your, you or me or us generation But every single generation And when you look back you're like oh yeah that's right He's been faithful My worship goes up My faith goes out And I mentioned this in the opening service As we prayed before we started That also you'll be able to look at other people Who are tripping and stumbling and freaking out when you look back at God's faithfulness, you can then give to them some faith, hope, and love and say, hey, God will get you through this. God will get you through this. I've seen some stuff in my past and you can share your faith with others. Let me ask you a question right now. Are you going through a battle? Are you being attacked right now? Is there all kinds of pressure and upheaval and challenges? If there's not, tomorrow's Monday, so you'll be fine. It's coming. It's coming for you. But if you are right now, Joshua would say, you have seen all that the Lord, verse three, your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. Don't be worried. Don't be fearful. Don't slow down. Don't actually to use a different calculator and a different formula. Well, I know he's been super faithful to me and to every single other person, but these are really big giants. This is really bad stuff. This is a conspiracy. This is a thing. This is a blah, 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 blah. Or you could be courageous. Let's go. Joshua is saying, God will and has far for you. Notice also Joshua, listen, leaders, is deflecting the glory to God and God alone. What's this book called that we're reading? What's it called? The, the book of? Joshua. It's actually titled Joshua. It's about him. He could have easily said, <clears throat> just want to say you're welcome, you know, for all the good leadership I did, all this stuff. He could have said, you're welcome. But instead, he knows, and that wasn't me. Yeah, my name's Joshua. I was right here. Man, I'll just, the Lord. And leaders, you who are walking in a, any success at all or fullness, business, men and women, maybe you're influential. Maybe you've got gifts and talents. You're living a, you're living a good life right now. Praise God. Maybe you've had a good life. Praise God. I hope so. I hope in Jesus' name that's your story. You can say, dude, it's, it's the Lord's grace. It's the Lord who's done everything for me. He's done everything for me. Deflect the glory to him. I had one pastor pray for me years ago, and they said, Lord, would you make Luke, would you make your glory, Lord, safe with Pastor Luke? Would he not take it for himself as you bless South Beach Church and do things? Would your glory be safe? And may that same challenge be true for all of us, that the Lord would use us powerfully, but we would be the first to praise him and to know where our strength comes from. It's all Jesus. It's all Just like Jesus when he performed miracles, this is a picture, if you would, of a New Testament principle. When Jesus received praise and glory, it was deflected upwards toward his father. Just like this Joshua is doing. Well let's keep reading verse 4. Now he challenges them a little bit. Verses 4 and 5 together he says See I have divided for you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward and the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight so you shall possess their land as the Lord your God has promised you. Stop right there. Eyes up here. We've seen this principle time and time again that with Without God, we can't, but without us, he won't. Verses four and five, he says, it's an inheritance that's been given to you and God will dispel these guys that are still here for you to listen, go in and possess the land. I just wanna camp on this one more time before we get into Joshua or Judges because I do believe that the Lord is faithful to do his part what only God can do. But I believe that there is an impetus, there is importance, there is a strength, there is a responsibility on so many of us to step out in the water and let the Lord do in our lives what he wants to do. What are you lacking right now? Listen, it's a trick question, I'm gonna mess with you. What are you lacking right now that you're waiting for the Lord to give you? And the Lord's up in heaven saying, I already gave it to you. You haven't possessed it. You just haven't trusted me. Lord, I wish I had more love in my heart. No, it's all there. Lord, I wish I had forgiveness for this person. No, it's already there. Lord, I wish I had more faith. I wish I had more of this. No, it's already there. What the, Lord, the Lord has given to us liberally and without reproach everything. But if you got an inheritance, let's say you received an inheritance, somehow somebody gave you an inheritance and the bank notified you and said, We've got your inheritance here, you would probably get off your blessed assurance and drive over to the bank and sign some papers, wouldn't you? I'm on my way! You know. You wouldn't just sit back and wait for the inheritance to find you. You would do what you need to do to receive what God has asked you and provide it for it. I'll take this drum for example. Did you guys love worship this morning? Wasn't worship so awesome? Give it up for the drummer. No. I was drumming here and I was laughing. I've had this drum for like 24 years. I went into the drum store 24 years ago and I said, I want the biggest, baddest drum you have. And so he tried to sell me a couple small ones. It's like, no, bro, you don't understand. I need the biggest drum. And I bought this drum. And I remember for two years, I never played it. I would bring it to buy I didn't know how I bought it I do not know how to play a drum I don't have any musical gifts and I remember I'd bring it to Bible studies and set it down and say there's a drum someone play it and people would play it and all that for two years until finally I taught myself how to play the drum Listen to some Christafari music and learned to play the drum I started just figuring out the beats you know by myself because when you play a wrong note everybody hears it and I began to finally walk in what I believe the Lord wanted me to do and to use this drum and I am so blessed today this is so fun Lord I shouldn't be up here I'm not a drummer I'm a, I'm a pretend drummer. People out there have rhythm. I actually went to this one lady at our church. I said, "Can you teach me how to play my drum?" And she said, "Do you have rhythm?" I said, "No." She said, "Well, can, can you clap?" I said, "No." And She said, "Well, can you keep a beat?" I said, "No." And she literally said, "Can't help you," and walked off. I was so offended. I was like, "What?" I know I'm white, but man. Help me out here. Get the voice and rhythm. Listen. He's given, I'm going to read this verse. You guys don't think I'm messing this up. <laughs> See, I've divided to you a lot these nations, verse 4, that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes. Verse 5, and the Lord your God will expel them from among you and drive them out of your sight. Listen, last verse. It says, so you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. He's going to do what he can only do. But you must exercise faith and hit the drum. You must exercise faith. Let me use one more illustration and maybe make you really uncomfortable. God's given to us spiritual gifts. A lot of people in today's day don't know what their spiritual gift is. They have no idea. Because you've never tried to play a drum. You've never tried to speak in tongues. You've never tried to pray for somebody to be healed. You've you've never tried to prophesy. You've never tried to be. It's too too scary. What if I do it wrong? So what? Then it's not your gift. Put the drum down and walk off the stage. Well, (laughs) no. Some people right now are saying, I just, man, I I wish I could speak in tongues. I'm just waiting for the Lord to make me speak in tongues. How ridiculous is that? Even in English, when you use your English language or your native language, you're making a choice to do that yourself. It's not God making you speak. You're responding obediently and just speaking. What if the Lord says, I've given to you so much. Yeah, I, I know you say that, Lord, but I know who I am. Who cares who you are? God's given to us everything. Wouldn't it be radical if if churches began to read the Bibles and say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I'm gonna go pray for this person. I'm gonna witness, I'm gonna share. What if it doesn't work? What if I witness to this person and they reject me? What if I try and speak in tongues and I have to doubt all these things and people make fun? What if all these things happen? It's just like a farmer who takes seeds and put it in the ground. As soon as he puts it in the ground, covers it with dirt and water, he's like, oh no! Nothing happened until it grows, until it produces something. It's God's DNA. I want instant gratification. Don't you, you want it just instant? And the Lord says, hey, what if it takes you a while? What if you own your drum for two years? What if I led you to do that, Luke? What if I'm going to develop this in you? Don't stop going forward. Joshua, when I was about to die, he's like, guys, there's more room. There's more stuff out there. He's saying to the tribes of Israel, and the same word is fresh for you today. There are things that God wants you to take from him into your life and apply them by faith. He's going to tell us exactly how to do this. Look at verse 6, though. Here's four things. Write this down if you're a note taker. Therefore, because of this, i got the therefore, because it's therefore reason. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left hand. Simply put, obey God's word. (laughs) Therefore, be very courageous to obey God's word. Because there's going to be a temptation to them 3,000 years ago to drift to the left or the right, to not take God's law seriously, to kind of get weird in light of all the things going on around them corporately and to not do the things that God's asked them to do. And can I just put that on us? Let's be Bible gals. Let's be Bible guys. Let's be a Bible church. Let's make sure that we're letting the Bible lead us and guide us and fill us and change us and challenge us and correct us and equip us and fill us with all the things that God wants to do. Amen? It's all about God's word. It begins here. Okay, it's going to be nutty. There's more. Things to do. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do. By the way, there's, a, there's some steps there to keep and to do God's word. I believe to keep God's word is to take God's word and to just hide it in your heart. I'm going to keep it. That's mine. Everything God says is precious to me. I'm gonna keep it. You guys have any keepsakes at your house? You're not gonna throw that, away. I'm gonna keep that? Oh, I'm keeping that. And when you keep God's word, it has nothing to do with obedience. It has to do with the heart condition, where you say, yes, God's word is hidden in my heart. That I might then do it. Because if you have any negotiation with God's word right now, you're like, I'm not gonna keep all of it. Some weird stuff in there. He says some things that my professor at the university said are not true, and so I went ahead and put that stuff out of my mind. And If you don't keep his word, you're not gonna do his word. You're gonna argue from the get-go. You're gonna find yourself going left, or going right. He says, don't do that. Can I just encourage you, God's word is trustworthy, historically, prophetically, within its storyline there are people that will come against it and say well it's inaccurate or it's got inconsistencies or it's got all of the eh. no it does not as a matter of fact the powerful prophetical verses in this scripture make it stand alone over any other artif- or any other works of literature that we have discovered on the face of the planet earth this bible predicts the future and everything that it says has What's gonna happen has come true and everything that it's predicted to come true will come true. And if you believe that, keep it and do it. Well, he gives us more instruction. Look at this in verse seven. He says, and lest you go. That word and in my Bible's not there. So let me read it without it. The translators added it for ease of reading. He says, hold the word, verse six. Lest you go among these nations These who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them. Not only do we need to obey God's word, but we need to separate ourselves from the world. There is such a temptation nowadays to be just like the world, to listen to the music of the world, to understand the culture of the world. Listen, to watch the same things that all of the rest of the world are watching all of the filth that's streaming online, all the things that you can download and be a part of, and maybe you don't, oh man, that made me feel uncomfortable when that scene was on, or when that thing was discussed, but that's okay, I'm just gonna get through it. And he says, careful, you're gonna be like them. The world is anti-Christ, anti-God, and may the Holy Spirit convict us, stay separated from the world. Verse eight, how are we gonna do that? But, contrast, you shall cleave or hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. Stop right there. eyes up here. Anybody's Bible have the word cleave in there? I just added that because it's, it's added in the King James cleave. Cleave to the Lord. My Bible says hold fast. Hey, watch out. The world's going to get crazy. The world's going to pull you down. The world wants you to fit in. You're not to be like the world. How are we going to avoid that? Obey God's word and cleave to him. It's the same word used for husbands and wives when they leave their mother and father and to be cleaving to one another. It's the same commitment. And when you leave your father and mother and cleave to one another, you best to only cleave to one another, just to one person. You cleave to them and you hold on to them. Not a bunch of cleaving (laughs) only one cleave to the Lord your God well he goes on and he says in verses 9 and 10 For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations, but as for you no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you. As he promised you, he now begins to quote out of the book of Deuteronomy and encourage those who are believers in Jesus' name. Those who are believers in Israel, he says, God has fought for you. Do these things. And finally, verse 11, this fourfold method of staying tough, under pressure and staying focused in your journey. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Obey his word. Don't separate from the world. Don't be like the world. There's such a temptation. Maybe that's the area of repentance in your life today. I'm just trying to fit in a little bit. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to make people uncomfortable. Obey his word. Separate and cleave to the Lord, but also number uh, verse 11 and number four maybe the most important. I'm going to read it again. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. The greatest attribute in your life is your understanding and love for Jesus Christ. The first thing to be attacked, the first thing to fall apart, the first thing to atrophy, the first thing to be ignored, whether to the left or to the right. To the left when you get liberal and carnal and weird and worldly, listen, or to the right where you become ultra conservative and ultra political and ultra narrow and ultra pharisaical, and ultra legalistic and the Lord says, hey, wow. In an effort to love me, you've missed me. Every one of us is susceptible to leaving our first love. It was the first indictment against the first century church. We're now the 21st century church. It's been many, many years since Jesus rose and went into heaven. And in the very first century, they left their first love. If you don't think it's going to be easy for us to go to the right and get excited about other things, the Lord says, hey, appreciate that, but how are we doing? How are we doing? Love me. Spend time with me. Did you know that your love is best cultivated through time? Time. I'll say it differently. You will make time for that which you love. You'll do it. You'll sacrifice. You who love fishing, hunting. You who love hobbies and crafting. You who love golfing and you love things. Man, you've set the alarm. You get it because you love it nothing wrong nothing wrong you should love those things do you make that same energy do you take those same sacrifices and those same cues with the Lord whispering to you as the eagle flies over the bridge and as the rainbow peeks out behind the clouds and as the sun rises and the sun sets and as the wind blows and as the spirit flows do you take those same cues from the Lord says, hey spend some time with me right now or when you have time do you like me pull out your dumb phone Oh, a smartphone, whatever they're called. You guys have one of these? Did you know that 7 billion people now on planet Earth have a, have a smartphone? 7 billion people. And I believe that it is one of many ways that we're distracted, that there's no margins in our life anymore. Maybe that's not your problem. Maybe it's something else. I know for a fact if I have a 30-minute time or a 20-minute time, that I'm easily distracted and easily pulled into another agenda, easily pulled to a to-do list... And yet he says, hey, 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 verse 11, make sure that you love the Lord. Don't grow cold. I'm gonna have the worship team come up and we're actually gonna sing a song. I was gonna try and finish the chapter. It's not gonna happen today, but I do believe that the Lord wants to move in your life and he wants right now for you to say, Lord, enough is enough. As Joshua here begs, if you would, his congregation, his friends, and he says, guys, don't grow cold. Don't veer to the left. Don't veer to the right. Obey his word. Pastor Adam might pick up right where we left off. I don't know how he's going to handle the text next week. But Joshua flips the script and says, hey, if you guys don't do these things, if listen, if you don't do these things, then all of the blessings that God has promised you will be taken, listen, and all of the curses that God has promised to those who don't do this will be brought upon you. You see, God is faithful no matter what. He is faithful to bless you if you put yourself in that position of blessings, of grace, and of mercy, and of humility. But listen, he is also faithful to punish you and to cause all of the weird things. He says, I won't fight for you all bets are off, all deals are off if you find yourself going back as a matter of fact, he says this in verse 12 I just want you to see this this pressure and this contrast, he says or else if indeed you do go back and you cling to the remnant of these nations that there remain among you and make marriages with them and go into them and they to you know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given to you this is a strong warning how much time do we have left not today not right now you can begin to play Toby how much time do we have left in before the Lord returns the Bible says it'll be like the days of Noah a couple things were happening in the days of Noah pure chaos marrying. What it means is, is they, were, they were doing weird stuff in relationships. It was all confused. It was backwards. It was perverse. So perverse and so messed up was it that God up in heaven said, okay, I'm going to give you a hundred and some years to repent. And if you don't repent, I'm actually going to start over. Is that extreme? Does that make you think oh, that's extreme? Like, whoa, that's extreme. And if you have any sort of depth of perception of what's going on in our culture, you can easily just survey the land and say, Yeah, I think we need to start over. It's pretty crazy. It's the days of Noah. Another thing was happening though Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Noah was there. He and his three sons and their wives and Noah's wife. And they were standing for righteousness for over a hundred years. Let's, let's be that group, let's be that family maybe there's something in your life that you need to repent of today something you need to let go of, something you need to make room for the Lord I don't know what it is but our greater than Joshua Jesus would say hey, I want to fight for you the things of this world, they'll be scourges to your sides listen to what he said, they'll be thorns to your eyes can you imagine putting thorns in your eyeballs? and some of the things we look at and entertain ourselves with we don't realize it but the Lord says, that's going to kill you. What are you doing? You're resting out slowly. You're wasting your life. Yeah, you're in the promised land. You're resting. But man, be careful. This is a warning. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you indeed invite us. And would I will be the first to raise my hand and say, yes, Lord, I want to I give my life to you once again this morning. I want you to take me as I am, right where I'm at, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my compromises. Maybe if you're here and you would join me in that prayer. If that's you, just raise up your hand as well by way of confession. Say, yeah, Lord, I want to confess, Lord. I want more of you in my life. I want to make room for you, Jesus. I don't want to go the way of the world. I don't want to try and fit in. Be secular and be carnal and be cool and be liked. But I don't want to do those things. Instead, I want to be in love with you. I want to have more room for you in my life. I want to obey your word. I want to serve others in Jesus' name. I want to reflect and deflect the glory back up to you. Keep your hands up. Maybe there's something in your life right now that's, it's a scourge in your side. It's a thorn in your eyeballs. Maybe it's a snare. It's a trap. Maybe there's something right now that you're involved in. You're like, I don't even know what to do. I feel like a trapped animal. I'm addicted to drugs. I'm addicted to alcohol. I'm addicted to pornography. I'm addicted to anger. I'm addicted to unforgiveness. I'm addicted to fear. I, just, I can't get out. I, I do not feel like a Christian. I believe. But something's wrong. And the Lord wants to break those chains today. He wants to break those You are going to die. Your life will come to an end. It will one day be over. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of good news and freedom. Today is the day. Joshua was old and advanced in years. He was on his way out and he gives this warning, this invitation. Guys, don't waste any more time. Do not waste your life. Do not negotiate with death. Do not negotiate with your Savior. Do not negotiate with the enemy. Don't try and mingle with all these other weird things step out in faith play the drum forgive that person do it he said to do it why well i'm gonna wait till my heart's off no do it love that person don't hold on to bitterness trust the process he's over it would you all stand with me i'm gonna jump on this drum and i'm gonna play it in jesus name what I want you to do if you need your chains broken or you need to confess to the Lord and you need an action step would you just come forward right now and crowd up on the stage in Jesus name there'll be some pastors up here praying for people but you just need to come over here and cry out to the Lord and say yes Lord take my life as it is I don't want to be lukewarm anymore I don't want to be in the middle I want to obey you. I want to keep your word. And I want to do your word. If there's anything hindering you right now, you need to bring it to the foot of the cross. Come to the stage right now. Leave your chair and come down and worship, Lord. Make room for him and let him change you. And Jesus, would you minister to the men and women, young and old alike, that come to the stage here and confess their sins and say, yes, Lord, more of you, less of the world, less of me, Lord, take over my life. Give me gifts. Give me what I need right now, Lord. Take over. While we're singing, would you just come up and pray for these people maybe here let's make this a real response time where the lord has his way in us lord we love you so much we thank you jesus hear our praises now as we worship you let's go ahead and sing together as the lord directs us